everything is on the table in terms of how he sort of decides what he's going to do with Twitter. And even if it is a disaster, it almost feels like a plaything for him. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. And I'm John Kelly, in for Peter Hamby once more for a special episode of Media Tuesday. Yes, that's right. We're having so much fun that we're doing it again. Media Tuesday concludes the second part of our two-part prediction show on the outcomes, trends, and events that we expect to befall the industry this year. I'll be joined by my partner, Dylan Byers. Today, we present our number one prediction in classic puck fashion. It's a two-parter. I'm going to talk a little bit with Dylan about Elon Musk and his debt opportunity at Twitter slash X. We're going to talk about the fate of Linda Yaccarino, and we're also going to dig into what might happen to Tucker Carlson's new media company. Is this thing built for the long term? Is it more of an O'Reilly or a Glenn Beck? You'll see. And then Dylan and I get into the media subject in all of media, and I'm just going to tantalize you with what that might be. We'll have all that and much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting The Gentleman. The new series from Guy Ritchie stars Emmy nominee Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ains. Eddie Horniman, played by Theo James, unexpectedly inherits his father's estate, only to discover it's part of a cannabis empire. And Britain's criminal underworld wants a piece of the operation, forcing Eddie to play the gangsters at their own game. Now available only on Netflix. It's Tuesday, January 2nd. Welcome back, everyone, to a special edition of the Powers That Be Media Tuesday. This is the second in our two-part edition of Surefire Predictions for the Year. I'm John Kelly. Dylan Byers will be joining me in one second. If you didn't hear the first part of this series, tune in yesterday. I'm sure you were at the airport or on a long car ride with your children. I promise you it was very worthwhile. Dylan and I predicted that Jeff Bezos will circle Carolyn Ryan as an ex-executive editor of the Washington Post, and that Jeff Zucker will indeed consummate the deal for The Telegraph and The Spectator but that Paramount Global is going to be just a little bit too pricey for Jerry Cardinal and his partners at Redbird. And now we're here with number one, and in fitting puck fashion, it's a tie. So Dylan, I'm going to start here with my prediction for the number one most obvious, almost inevitable event to occur in our industry next year. And this is going to be uh, the consequences and the fate of, of Twitter in uh, or under Musk rule. I actually think that the banks that want to move this debt off the balance sheet and, and don't want to, you know, they've been so reluctant to take uh, the, the write downs and the losses for it are going to eventually agitate to do so. I think that Musk is going to wait until the very last minute. I do think that he's going to buy this thing out. He's too smart. He doesn't want to let this fall into the hands of the Apollos of the world. But I think a number of other things that are pretty ugly are going to happen too. 
I think that Linda Yaccarino is gone. I think that he's going to threaten to fire her and she's going to quit and protest about one nanosecond before that. She's going to announce something on Twitter and then she'll be banished from the platform for life. Uh, I sound hyperbolic, but I actually, um, I believe this in my gut to be true. The Yaccarino tenure has been a, has been a disaster. It's, it's been, it's been lickety in, in, in ways. But then I, I have another related uh, on-platform prediction, which is, You've been following the, the Tucker Carlson media co voyage as, as much as anyone and, and breaking a lot of news on the fundraise and the initial installment of his show. I think that not only is this not going to work and that 15 million bucks was not enough, even with Tucker's immense wealth, but that there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. Tucker is going to blame Elon. Elon's going to blame Tucker. Elon's going to deplatform Tucker. Tucker is going to find out that in his world of free speech absolutism, there's one absolute voice that absolutely means the most, and that Tucker is going to be relegated to becoming a sort of you know two-bit news nation crier uh, back in the salt mines where he belongs. And uh, we will realize once again that of his many skills, and certainly there were there were plenty of dark sides too. Um, perhaps the greatest skill in Rupert. Murdoch's fingertips was his ability to break talent and with the small exception of, of Megyn Kelly's uh, revival um, it's just extraordinary how these Murdochian Fox News characters just diminish in stature when they leave his air so there you have it it's, it's a triple headed hydra Musk takes the deal <laughs> blows a couple billion dollars more which won't really matter now that Starlink is going to go public Yaccarino's out in the street and Tucker Carlson gets publicly humiliated and um, there we have a year buddy I'll see you in 2025 I, so let me address all, all three heads here. First of all, on the Elon thing, just one, this occurred to me as I was watching him on stage at uh, at Dealbook, even before he told Bob Iger to go fuck himself. <laughs> um, I just I th- I always think it's so important to remember just how small the Twitter piece of his overall portfolio is, and I'm not excusing yes. his handling of Twitter. It's 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 really been an unmitigated disaster, but. You do see when he's up there kind of talking about Tesla and Starlink and everything, and you think about the market cap of these various companies or their value, you do sort of understand that, like, he can get away with everything is on the table in terms of how he sort of decides what he's going to do with Twitter. And even if it is a disaster... It, it almost feels like a plaything for him. Sure. Uh, so I think you're right. I, I, I sort of broadly agree with what you're saying there. Two, the Yaccarino thing, I think it was so, first of all, yeah, sh- totally. I mean, at, from the moment she took this job, uh, even from before the moment she took this job, when I think our friend Kara Swisher knew she was going to take this job, like everyone has been warning her, like, get, get, get out. And she has done so much damage to her... Uh, her reputation, which was otherwise extremely strong, I just just saying this as someone who's covered the media. He, well, she, it was, but don't decade. forget, she was passed over a lot at Comcast. But yes, it, it was strong. Yes, no, I know, but I, but just like broadly speaking, like people don't usually people out sort of on the third rung of this world mm-hmm. don't usually know the names of right like uh, of all of the people who are like doing the selling the advertising and doing the marketing and all that and she was somebody who was sort of a known quantity and she despite her politics she had a lot of friends at NBC and it has been interesting from my corner of this story 
to watch those former colleagues and fellow executives at NBC just sort of looking at this dumpster fire and shaking their head and thinking, what what did you, why did you do this and, and what are you doing to yourself? And that gets to the, the sort of next thing. If you just play this forward after she leaves Twitter, is fired from Twitter or X or whatever, how does she try to engineer her way back? Like what is, what is her post X you know, career strategy. Uh, I, I it baffles me. I have no idea what that would be. L- let me cut you off there. I don't think it exists, and I imagine the litigation that she's going to have to comb through with this guy is the reason she's still in the seat. That she's terrified of what happens if she leaves. Because I don't think he's someone who fires uh, a person and then just leaves them alone forever. I, I'm sure no, whatever severance she have is gonna be, has is going to be abnegated. Uh, I, I would wonder if she fears that she's going to be sued for, you know, some sort of trade secrets thing. I mean, I, I imagine that it is, uh, it is a, um, a haunting reality. You mentioned the, the Bob Iger comments. Don't forget, Elon Musk has a larger net worth than the Walt Disney Corporation. He's worth like 250 Bob Igers. This is right. a force that you know, the, the fortress balance sheet of J.P. Morgan can barely handle. You know, I think J.P. Morgan is like two Elons. Like this is um, th- this is a, a a form of economic David and Goliath that, that's unseen. So uh, couldn't right. you know, couldn't happen to a more charming person. So, and then that brings us to number three, which is like the the Tucker Carlson bit of it. In all of my reporting on Tucker, the 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 sort of bigger picture is a test of the thesis of can can the the sort of far right marquee talent ever go it alone and sort of be the David that eats the Goliath? And the answer has always historically been no. And the the brand or the platform has always proven to be larger than any one star. And I do think Tucker sort of tested that thesis. But in part, he he tested it by virtue of having this deal with Elon and having this deal at X. And he at least main, remained tangentially relevant. Um, I don't know, you know, in terms of the business, obviously, there was not enough business on X. Otherwise, he wouldn't have needed to go and sort of start his own media co. But now that he's done that, yeah, I look, I, I, I think we are going to see the limits of his power and his influence. And I think in this scenario that you're talking about, who is Tucker Carlson if he doesn't have a show on Fox and he doesn't have he can't post these videos to X, right? Like like he's got a business that might be a Glenn Beck level business or slightly bigger which would be but great is, by the way That's which would be great business. yeah no if, if from you know in terms of like his ability to you know build another uh, build another wing on the house in maine mm-hmm. sure but mm-hmm. um but not not the sort of political cultural influence that i th- i think he craves unless i don't understand him correctly and it is just about the money he he does he would not have that and i don't see a scenario in which he has that going it alone at uh at TCN. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out because neither side's going to want to admit defeat until the very, very end. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, Dylan, we're going to stop for a quick break. And when we're back, the floor is yours to reveal the tiebreaker for our, our number one can't miss surefire prediction. See everyone in a second. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting the new series, The Gentleman. Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings star in what the playlist calls an entertaining crime comedy filled with style, panache, and laughs. 
The Evening Standard raves, the gentleman is peak Guy Ritchie, impossible not to love. Now available only on Netflix. Hey guys, it's Peter. When I'm not recording the pod, let's be honest, I'm probably snacking, I get hungry. But when I can steal some moments during the day, I do like to eat healthy. And eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. And this is big, no cooking required. I recommend the smoothies. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. These are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are are pancakes i love pancakes more than waffles more than french toast a couple of my favorites so far the red chili chicken tamale bowl and the smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites i love egg bites discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more no prep no mess meals factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping cooking or cleanup needed so sign up and save. Head to factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 and use code powers that be 50 to get 50% off. That's code powers that be 50 at factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 to get 50% off. And we're back with our surefire number one can't miss inevitable media prediction of 2024. Just to remind everyone, we've really cascaded through the landscape here with Sally Busby and The Post and what happens with the Jeff Zucker entities uh, that Redbird is is bidding for or Zucker Jason entities. Elon, Tucker, Yaccarino, Dylan, the floor is yours. Take us out here. What's what's definitely going to happen this year? Okay, a quick preamble just to just to get build the anticipation. A few months ago... Somebody, a source, a media executive source came to me and said, Comcast is going to spin off NBC Universal and they're going to merge with Warner Brothers Discovery. And they didn't say it was like the way that we talk about it as this sort of, you know, this sort of inevitability that we sort of think is going to happen or is sort of on the table, off the table. They talked about it with certainty. It was like, this is the plan. And I did some reporting on it. And lo and behold, like as I was doing the reporting on it, the question of Warner Brothers Discovery targeting Paramount as a potential acquisition came up. And in all of those discussions, it was always like, well, there are reasons X, Y, and Z why the, the NBCU thing never wor- isn't going to work and it doesn't make any sense, but the Paramount thing makes more sense for us. But I can't help just looking at the sort of what the, the headwinds that all of these companies are facing, the need for greater scale, the bet, despite... Um, <laughs> despite perhaps better wisdom about what these companies should do in terms of sort of maybe like paring down as opposed to scaling up, I think this is still on the table. And my prediction, and I'm, I, I'm ready to eat my words, I'm ready to be so wrong, but is that at some time, in at some point in the next 12 months, at least the very beginning of a NBCU Warner Brothers Discovery merger is going to be back on the table in the conversation and, and a reality. And 
I think that all of the things that the reasons that this can't happen and who wants control and just how much of a pain in the ass it is to to deal with Brian Roberts, in, you know, as a deal maker and everyone in the Sun Valley set will tell you that he's sort of a pain in the ass to do deals with. I I I actually think this is more likely than not. And uh, I, I think that's where the conversation is going to head by uh, by Q4 of 24. Well, I appreciate your um Lack of fear here in your ambition and your predictions, Dylan. I, I, I love this theoretically, but I have a couple of notes of, of pushback. One, I, I think that Comcast currently has a market value of like around $180 billion. Um, if you spun off NBCU, let's say it's half of that. I don't know, just being um, kind of round numbers oriented here. It's a big deal for WBD. And I think there are a couple things that are going to be challenging this year, at least. One is, and I hate, I sort of yawn when I hear the words regulatory environment, because it's such a snooze. But I think that WBD and Paramount are going to, if that, if that actually uh, comes to anything near fruition or just a heavy, you know, heavy breathing contemplation that you're going to hear a lot of the, the regulatory murmur stuff because there'll just be so many jobs eliminated and so many opportunities potentially eliminated. And I think that uh, take that to 11 for the, uh, for the WBD uh, NBCU possibility. Whatever I hear, and I, I hear too rumblings about Roberts being difficult. I, I actually often ascribe that to the the yammerings of a certain segment of the of the um, Sun Valley class that it's a polite way of saying this was a, a born a, a born on third base guy whose father created the empire you know and um, mm-hmm. and he can't play um, you know he can't share his toys with anyone else and um, uh, and I imagine that would probably be true regardless here like if they're spinning off NBCU they're going to be the majority owner in whoever they pick up so I'm going to um, I'm going to nix this and add a wrinkle, which I think um, is that the, the WBD Paramount deal does not happen. I think there's too much debt. I think that WD's already on a BBB cliff, you know, potentially trending downwards. I think that Brian Roberts, who, you know, despite what people may say about him, has the killer instinct and truly does, uh, makes a, um, a last minute sort of initially stalking horse and then very real bid for Paramount, and that he ends up being the sort of white knight for Sherry, giving her stability, a little bit of cash, a board seat, and some relevance. And then David Zaslav is uh, is looking at a, a scenario that he really didn't want to contemplate, which is either he's next, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. as the uh, as the minnow for somebody else, or he's just going to begin his own everything on the table era. And they'll start to make WBD smaller and smaller, and it'll net out somewhere in between the Time Warner assets and Discovery. I think we, we tend to talk in this on this show and in this industry about everyone being one deal away. We're so wrong. I think everyone is three or four or five deals away, and not all the deals are the same size, but we're not even close to, to really imagining what the end state of um, this era of, of hybrid conglomerate media is. So um, what do you think about that? I, I well I think that I think broadly that's right. I do think that I mean just to pull out here for a second like you are talking about all, all of these companies have to do something, right? I mean they either they either have to they they have to consolidate or they have to be certain things have to be sold off for 
parts. And I guess that I guess that is sort of the question here. You're like when when you're talking about where Zaslav is going to be. Like, are you in the position to have a seat at the table and be involved in these deals, or or do you have to sort of put everything on the table and and sort of start selling? I I don't know, but I uh, the one thing that I think I feel really confident of is that the status quo isn't going to hold for much longer, and you're not going to have. You're not going to have like at some point, even if it, even if it takes longer than we think, like Zaslav has to do a deal. I mean, that's the whole point of of this enterprise, right? And it's as laid out by John Malone before they before the ink was even dry on the Warner Media deal. Yep. So there's an endpoint here that is not that is not the status quo. And I don't I agree with you. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but yeah, I don't know. I think 2024 is going to be a busier year. I really do. Well, I appreciate that. We we can we can agree and and disagree and still be friends and partners, Dylan. So no, um, uh, we'll, we'll be back here in a year to uh, to assess the scorecard. And um, in the meantime, this is not investment advice, but I, I sure imagine that there's pressure on the folks at Paramount to take this potential three billion-ish opportunity from from Byron Allen. But that's a a, a subplot for another time uh, to move that BETS. Dylan, great talking to you. Happy New Year. Happy and healthy and uh, let's have a great year, pal. All right. I'll see you on the Slack. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.